The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. Okay, well, I think we'll get started, and if people end up coming in, um, Brianna's uh, able to let them into the, the Zoom call. So uh, there'll be different times for you guys to ask questions, but for now, Brianna's going to mute everyone, and then um, in about 10 minutes, Kath is going to... Uh, present just kind of like a case example. So we're really here. This is the the second coffee break series that that Tim is putting on. Um, Tim, do you want to give a little word on on what this is and what we're what we're hoping to accomplish? You're welcome to to say something. Uh, maybe just really quick. And we are kind of through engaging with current seniors and recent graduates. Uh, and then in light of obviously the unique circumstances we have going on, we try to put together a, a couple of the most recurring questions that current seniors are asking or else uh, maybe even more common recent grads we've spoken with have said, I wish I would have had a little more information or uh, process some of this a little bit more. So that's kind of the aim. So take it away, Nick. Okay, great. All right, I'm just loading up my presentation again. I'll just take a second. All right, here we go. So we're going to talk about uh, money really quickly. So my name is Nick Stromwall. Um, I've been on staff for the past 12 years, and I'm excited to share just a few nuggets I've learned since graduating from the U in 2007. And I think these hand these these topics are really important because most students now are graduating with 25, 30, 50 even $100,000 of student debt. Um, when Katie, my wife and I, we graduated, we graduated with $40,000 of student debt. So I'm gonna share a little bit of my own story and we'll get to hear from uh, Katie Beth as well. So just a, a biblical basis for, for why we're talking about this, Matthew 6, 19 through 24. This is one of my favorite passages. Just the Bible talks about money um, a lot. Um, one of the most prevalent topics in the Bible. So Matthew 6 says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So we're all drawn to treasures on earth, and we're reminded that the things on earth are temporary. Moth and rust destroy them. To give you an example, um, two of my previous cars were a 1997 Ford Explorer. It was a beast, um, but it had a lot of rust. And then I graduated from that car to a 2000 Chevy Silverado with over 200,000 miles on it. Now both those cars were great cars. You could throw anything in them, you didn't have to worry about them, and it was great. But both of them rusted to the point where they were not usable. And that's what happens. The things on earth, they rust, they, they die away. Um, but there's, there's one thing that, that will never die away, and that's following hard after God and loving Him. And if our treasure is in the things on the earth, they're gonna, they're gonna rot. But if our treasure is in heaven, it's in the heavenly things, it's in God, um, then, we won't have to worry because those things don't don't rust away. So we want to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where there's eternal rewards. Okay, a 
couple of things on money. The Bible talks about money over 800 times. Uh, there's a link there. You can check it and talk, think through all the different places where there's money talked about in the Bible. Um, some financial statistics. When you think about people getting married, the number one marital problem people experience derives from financial situations. 37% of marital problems derive from financial situations. Cash flow, 70% of all consumers live paycheck to paycheck, meaning they run out of money before the end of the month. So that's one of the things we're gonna talk about as we open up our budgets. Savings, the average family would have to use a credit card to pay a $1,500 unexpected expense. So just think, you bring your car in, you're getting ready to go down to Myrtle Beach and you get a bill of $1,500. Most people wouldn't be able to uh, afford that right away. Retirement, nearly half of all Americans have less than $10,000 saved for their retirement. So that's just good to know that uh, what people, how people are approaching their, their finances. Um, most people haven't really done that much to save. So we're gonna talk about that. Um, I always like playing this clip because uh, it's just really funny and um, it's, a good, it's a good break to the, the presentation. So this is talking about credit card credit card debt. Here we go. Oh, I just can't get these numbers to add up. Like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt. Does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called, Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey, this makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in chapter three. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. <laughs> now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? <laughs> no. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. The advice is priceless and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. <laughs> so get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously, if you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. So that's kind of funny, um, but I think it speaks to a, a thing that we all face. Um, we're all in college, we're all receiving some level of income, 
Some of us, it's part-time jobs. Uh, some of us, it might be uh, some type of loan or even like a work-study program. So the basic principle, I think, is is pretty pretty simple. And I, I tend to live off of this idea of whatever I'm making uh, in a job, I'm going to try to live on about 80% of what I make. I'm going to save about 10%, and then I'm going to give about 10% away. So if you kind of think about, in general, whether you make $100 a month, $1,000 a month, or $5,000 a month, kind of the 80-10-10 principle. Save 10, give 10, and live on 80. I think that's just a good principle to live by. And it's easy um, to, to spend more than you have, and that's that's why they made this, this video. So um, one of those common questions I often get when I give these little seminars is, how do we think about giving? How do you think about giving as a, as a student? And these are the levels of giving that I usually reference. So maybe level one giving is you're not really giving at all. Level two is sporadically once or twice a year. Level three, occasional giving. Level four, maybe you've set up some type of regular or ongoing giving. Level five is maybe 5% of your adjusted gross income. Level six is tithing 10%. And then level seven is, is generous giving. So I just wanna talk about a little bit that decisions you make now have long-term impacts. So it could be purchasing a car and a loan. It could be spending more than you are making from a job. Um, even like the question of if you have a student loan money, can you spend it however you want? What about extravagant purchases? What about buying a latte? And again, if you're living within your means, if you're not spending more money than you're, than you're currently taking in, it's okay to buy a latte. Um, it's okay to save up to go to a really fancy concert or to, to purchase a thing. And we're going to talk more about that um, next. But I wanted to talk to you guys um, and bring on Katie Beth to kind of give just some lessons that she's learned as she's graduated and just even uh, talk a little bit about her story and what it's been like for her graduating. So Katie Beth, um, come on on and you can, I'll unmute you here and would love for you to just kind of share a little bit of, about your story. Great, thanks. Um, okay, well, I'm Katie Beth. I am currently a fourth grade ESL teacher at a public uh, charter school in St. Paul. And I was involved in campus outreach at the U from 2011 to 2015. And um, I would say I'm still currently involved in CO because I live with Paul and Sam Poteet and I am, I love supporting people on CO, so still feel very connected. Um, let's see, my uh, like student loan story. Okay. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah, walk us through that. Okay. Um, when I went to the U, I had a fairly decent financial aid package to begin with that didn't have a lot of money in loans, but as my time there progressed and I changed majors, making me go to a different school, I had to take on some more student loans. Um, and I guess like looking back, I probably wouldn't have necessarily had to do that. That's just when they give you your financial aid package, the loans are right there in it. And so it's just like, oh, nice, great. I have this money. Um, so I took out loans for my undergrad um, as part of my financial aid package, but I also had work study. Um, but I used my financial aid for most, like all my day-to-day -day stuff, my rent, my groceries, um, everything until like later on, I tried to get an outside job to kind of supplement things and not have to take out so many loans. 
but um, I actually did five years of my undergrad because I decided I wanted to be a teacher later on in the game. So I had, um, by the end of my undergrad, around $20,000 in student debt. And then at the U, in order to get your teacher's license, you have to go on and do your master's program. And that was a year. And that doubled my <laughs> student debt. So then by the end of those six years, I had around $40,000, $41,000 in student debt, um, which felt very overwhelming and still actually feels a little bit overwhelming, although more manageable now, um, having learned how to do some budgeting. But I would say like throughout college, I would maybe periodically or occasionally take a look at where my finances are at, what does my money situation look like, and make some sort of budget or plan for how I was, how I was gonna use it, but didn't really follow that. And honestly felt really overwhelmed anytime I sat down to look at my bank statements and figure out where everything was coming in and being connected at. And I just was like, I don't like spending three or four hours at a time just looking at money things. So then I just wouldn't do it. And then I would put it off and then it would come back around. And that wasn't very fun. Um, but since having graduated, I've gone through like a few different plans as far as paying back my student loans. Initially, after you graduate and you take your exit loan counseling, they kind of have you make plans for what kind of payment option you want to do, I guess. So I initially chose the 10-year plan because that was going to be like the shortest amount of time with all the options that they gave me. And I wanted to just get it done as soon as possible. But even those payments over 10 years was a good like one fourth to one third of my monthly income as a first year teacher. Um, and adding that on top of rent, I was feeling really overwhelmed with how much student loan payments were. Um, so then I switched to a pay as you earn plan, which actually made me, my qualifying monthly payments were $0 a month and then I wasn't paying anything on my student loans. Um, but it was going to be something like each year I'd have to reapply for that and they would assess me based on my income to see how much I could pay per month. And um, around that time, I learned from a friend's dad that there are different professions and teachers are included in that that receive um, like loan forgiveness. And so after five years working at my school, I could get up to 17000 forgiven. Um, and then it was when I actually sat down and had Paul and Sam come alongside me as my financial coaches, we started to make a plan for really being aggressive and paying off my student loans um, and kind of like leaving around 17000 left because in two years I'll have finished my, that five-year requirement and could actually be done with student loans in five years rather than the 10 that the that fed loan kind of told me that it would take um i will caveat that and say a big reason that i'm able to pay off like more toward my loans right now is because i have very cheap rent <laughs> with who i'm living with um and so i just feel very thankful to live with people who are blessing me with lower rent so that i can put more money toward 
being debt free. Um, so right now I have it as part of my budget, even though I'm not required to based on my payment option or my payment plan, I'm not required to pay anything still, but I'm, and even now with all the coronavirus stuff happening, I think they're kind of, or I don't know if they're waiving student loan payments right now or, or it's just the interest rate. Justin, you're shaking your head, yes. Okay, um, but still like, well, I'm employed, might as well keep paying it off while it's interest-free, especially. Um, let's see, what else do I need to talk about? Tools? Yeah, you could talk a little bit about just what, how, how are you budgeting or was it just a conversation or are you using a spreadsheet or what did you use to help kind of craft a plan and what's that been like for you? Great. Um, yeah, I, what, like, even coming into this year felt really overwhelmed on mon about money and Paul and Sam sat down with me and I had to be really kind of vulnerable <laughs> with my bank statements and looking at where's my money going, but they sat down and helped me create a budget on a spreadsheet on Google Slides where um, I have like my monthly budget with all the detail or all my expenses detailed out. And then I have little tabs for each month where I keep track of um, like month, just like basic monthly expenses, like my groceries or gas or like miscellaneous things. Like if I go to Target and get toilet paper or shampoo or something, um, keeping track of those expenses. Something that I've gotten to the habit of doing now that I never did before was keeping receipts and using those to enter it into my spreadsheet. And I try to do that every weekend and just look at my receipts from the week and enter it into the spreadsheet. And then I can throw those away. And that just helps me keep track of what have I been spending on eating out on my groceries. And then I will try to check my spreadsheet um, before I go out to eat or out to go grocery shopping to see how much money I have left in my budget to be able to spend. And then just being able to keep track of that has allowed me then at the end of the month, looking back and seeing, oh, well, I didn't spend my budget in eating out, but I did go over in groceries. So then I kind of moved some of that money over to account for things. Um, and that's been really, really super helpful. So if one wanted this spreadsheet that you're talking about, uh, is that something you're making available to this, this call? Um, yes, I am. And I think I put it in that folder that you sent me. Okay, great. Well, if you guys go to the Zoom chat, there's a Google Drive link there. And if you click on that, uh, we're going to just kind of show some, some tools within there. Um, and we'll have a chance to uh, ask Katie Beth some more questions at the end here. So I've got three more slides I want to share with you guys. And I was kind of mentioning before um, how how you guys like think about decisions now that really does affect your financial situation later. And one of those things maybe you guys have heard about is called compound interest. So compound interest very simply is you, you invest money now and over time it builds based on the, the interest level. So here's just a little case example of what uh, investing even just uh, $200 a month um, in your early 20s could could mean for you um, for later on. So 
going to go back to Jack and Blake. So compound interest is really just free money, seriously. Um, so here's Jack. He turned 21. He decided to start investing 200 a month every year for nine years. Then at age 30, he decided to stop investing altogether. But his friend Blake started a little later. He invested $20 a month every month starting at age 30 all the way to age 67. So 10 years versus 37 years. So at age 67, who do you think had more money in their account? So at the end of nine years, Jack invested 21,600 and ended up with more than 2.5 million. 2.5 million, that's the power of compound interest. So just starting those nine years earlier, that's what happens. So Jack's friend Blake invested a whopping 91,000 over the course of 37 years, and he only got up to 1.4 million. So the compound interest really does make a difference in those nine years, um, that, that does play a big part. So that might sound like, okay, Nick, that's great, but what do I do? I'm a college student, I have a lot of student debt, how, how can I invest money now? So I think the biggest thing is just start with a plan, start in your 20s, start saving, start getting out of debt. And I usually recommend people like kind of have baby steps. And the first baby step is save $1,000 in a savings account and just don't touch that money. So if your car does have an issue or you have a medical thing or something comes up, you're not having to use a credit card um, or in order to pay for that. And then really just set a plan and tackle your, your student debt. So that's just the power of compound interest. Um, I think, you know, there's lots of different tools we're gonna share here in a minute. Spreadsheets are awesome. The one that Katie Beth and the Poteets use is great. Um, I have another one that's really basic. Um, there's this tool out there called YNAB, You Need a Budget. I think it's one of the easiest ones out there. They give it away for college students. So here's just a quick one minute video. Tired of stressing about money? Of course you are. You need a budget. And you're in luck. That's all we do. In fact, it's so simple. We can tell you how it works in 68 seconds. And we already used eight. Make that 10. Okay, here's how it works. You'll start by defining what's most important to you good stuff. See, budgeting isn't so bad. No one should tell you what to spend your money on. Only you know what matters most. But your budget will keep you and your money crazy focused on your goals. Every time you get paid, before you spend a dime, you'll give every dollar a job. Ta-da, you have a budget. Now whenever you spend money, there's no guessing, no guilt. You plan for this. And when your phone dies, you plan for that too. And by plan, we mean save. Money in the bank but you don't have a crystal ball. There will be surprises. No worries, things change and your budget can too. No more counting down the days until your next paycheck. But when it comes, you guessed it. You're in the driver's seat. Give those dollars jobs. On average, new budgeters save $200 in their first month and your first 34 days are free. You don't have to be a math genius to know that's a win. So just sign up. You have nothing to lose except all that stress. So it says there you can sign up for free for 34 days, but if you go to this link here, you need a budget.com slash college, it'll actually give you it to you for free for a year. So like, I like to help you guys save money. So that's kind of the content session. We've got another 30 minutes. Um, you know, these are the most common kinds of if I have student debt, should I use a credit card? Uh, what should I do first? Pay off student debt, save an emergency, save an emergency fund or start saving for retirement. So I'm happy to tackle those, or if you guys have other questions, uh, we can we can tackle those, and then um, I'll just show you guys some of the tools after that. So I'm just gonna open it up. Um, 
do you guys want to just come right on? You can unmute yourself and you can ask me a question. You can ask Katie Beth a question. Um, we also have a special guest on Justin Horsch. Um, he's also another financial expert and he'll we'll introduce him at the end as well. So there is a folder there. There's a notes document um, with some good resources on there. Uh, there's a debt reduction calculator. So this is a great tool. You can put in all of your student loans. If you've got car loans, they have different strategies for how you should pay it off. So most people go with the snowball strategy. You can really do it however you want. Some people think, okay, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna pay off the highest interest rate loan first. You know, you probably save the most amount of money doing it that way. But there is something psychological to paying off loans over time. So there's some great things there. It even gives you like a payment schedule probably more than you need. Um, there's a personal monthly budget document on there. So this is a very simple uh, multiple tab document. So net worth is basically add up all of your assets. So that'd be like your cash, your checking account, your savings. Um, if you have any other assets like a car, you could put that in there. If you have any investments. So those are all of your assets. And then you put in all of your liabilities. So credit cards, uh, student loans, car payment, and it gives you like your overall picture of how much are you worth. That's a great exercise to do. And if you like take away one thing from this, you should do that because it, it really sets up the picture of how much student loan debt do I actually have? Because most people can't actually answer that question because they don't want to think about it. But starting to think about it is actually a really good thing. There's a basic budget on here you can use. There's a personal monthly budget. So this has kind of both the projected cost and an actual cost. Um, and then this is more of a, an advanced net worth calculator. Also, uh, Katie Beth put on her budget document. So the first tab is kind of that same personal monthly budget tab. There's a savings tab on there and then a monthly tab where she literally puts in as many things. So Katie Beth, could you come on and just sh share how you use this and what, what does it look like for you? Yeah. Um, so on this, like monthly budget tab thing. I really, this is where I collect my receipts and I put in, oh, okay. Yeah, we'll start with this page. Okay, so um, on this one, I mean, it's blank now, but this is where I kind of calculated out just as a chunk, how much am I gonna dedicate to each of these categories? And so some things like rent or my car payment or student loans or the, my save, or yeah, savings and then my giving, um, that all is connected or like that's the same each month and that doesn't ever change. And then things like gas, groceries, eating out, I'll still dedicate an amount of money that shouldn't change <laughs> each month, but then those are the things that are also pretty variable and those are gonna be the things that I keep track of then on the monthly tabs. Then tab, yeah. So we could go to the monthly tab first, maybe. Sorry. There we go. Yeah. So then on the, like throughout the week as I'm spending money and have receipts, I'll come in here. And if I went to Target underneath the $200, I would type in however much I spent on groceries at that trip. Say it was like $45. I could type that in. And in the column to the right of it, I just make a note and I say Target, kind of where it came from. Um, and then 
throughout the month, I keep track of anything. And so even if I'm like, oh, I just have to go and get a thing of milk, I'll still just put like 205 or something in there and just make a note saying milk or something. And then, um, but at the end of the month or like throughout the month as I go, if I click and highlight over the $200 and then down all of the numbers, on the bottom of the screen, it will, there's a box that says sum and then minus 152.95 and that tells me how much money I have left in my grocery budget for the month. So if I go, I know that I'm kind of getting low, I go to my spreadsheet, highlight all my numbers, take a look at how much money I have left in my groceries and then kind of know when I'm out there grocery shopping, maybe I need to um, change my meal plan for the week or something. And then same thing with the eating out budget. I'll keep my receipts from when I go to Chick-fil-A or out for, or well, not really out with friends right now, but um, yeah, keep track of it, make a note of where it was from. And then in the miscellaneous category, that's where like on my Target receipts, especially this is where I'll find maybe I got groceries at Target, but I also bought razors or um, shampoo. And so then I would calculate, take that off of my target receipt and put that amount there. So it was like 15 and then, yeah, just like what Nick is doing. And then that comes out of my miscellaneous budget. So the, where I got all of these numbers, like the $100 with the miscellaneous, that comes from my overall monthly budget that I had given myself. So in the groceries category, I would have had $200 in that projected cost. And so then on my monthly tabs, I know that I'm starting out at $200 for that month. Then for, do you want me to talk about the savings tab or no? Sure, that was great. Okay. So then savings, I kind of, um, have it in a bunch of different categories and these are things that I might not necessarily spend money on each month or yeah they're yeah just things I don't spend money on each month so like clothing I'm trying not to buy clothes each month actually I have another I have my bigger soapbox is the capsule wardrobe which allows you to save up money and not spend money on clothes all the time but you still want to have something fun and new and so my I'm trying only to buy clothes like the beginning of each season and so then throughout the other months then I'm still I'm saving up money that I can go spend on clothes later on in the year and then the car thing is just like saving up for when you have to get an oil change or any other repairs that might pop up and so if by putting away that money each month I know that I will have that there for if anything happens with my car later on. And so the idea is that it doesn't get touched until you need to use it. And then haircut, skincare, makeup, all that stuff, that's not a consistent buy either, so. That's great. Yeah. I've been like saving $60 every month for your car when you have a car bill, what, what is that like then for you? Um, I, I mean, I just, I guess I don't really think about it, saving that extra money um, for my car. And then I actually did in January, my, 
I had an older car and the transmission went out. And so I had been, my car budget was bigger at first because I was going to be saving up money to be able to buy a car a few years down the road. But instead I had to switch it now to be like, well, I was going to have that money. And so the money that I was going to be put to putting towards savings is now going to a car loan. But um, then that other, the car piece now is I got a newer car, so it's not going to need as much work as my older car did. So my car savings is a little bit lower now. That's great. Well, we kind of did a high, a high level, gave you guys some tools. Um, you're welcome to go in and play with those spreadsheets. I, I think, you know, the YNAB app is a great one too. You can, it kind of does what spreadsheets do, but it's an app form works both on your computer and on your phone. Um, I've been using that one. There's a lot of great ones out there. Mint.com, every dollar. I've kind of landed on YNAB because it's really easy and it, it works well. Um, if you're sharing a budget with someone else, but I think the main thing is, is like, just come up with a plan. So if you guys were going to take away two things from this, it would be number one, do the, do the net worth calculator, just so you know, like how much you have, how much you're worth. And for most college students, it's probably going to be negative. That's okay. Um, but that will probably help force you guys into thinking, okay, I might need a coach. So Justin will be a great example of someone you could reach out to. You could talk to your local staff person. You're happy to um, send me an email. Uh, my email is just nick at campusoutreach.org. I'd be happy to meet with you. Um, but I think just ha have a plan. And the, the benefit of the coach is you become accountable to whatever you say. So if you say, you know, I'm going to save this much, and I'm going to have $1,000 in my emergency account by the end of the summer, that's a good goal to have because then you, you're at least moving towards, you know, health and progress. Um, you know, if you're looking for more resources, uh, Dave Ramsey has something called Financial Peace University. That's a great set of tools. Um, I think just doing a Bible study on, on money, you can look at that link on Open Bible. That'd be another great, great thing to do. Um, do any of the things we shared or anything Katie shared, do you guys have any more follow-up questions or how can we help you guys so that you leave here feeling like, man, everything I wanted to know, I'm walking away with, with my questions answered. We still have another nine minutes. So if you have a burning question or if you're like, oh, I really wanted to get this solved, now's your time. I was just wondering if you could um, grant me access to that folder. I can. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, try it now. It should be open to the world. The refresh a page. Yes, thank you. Boom. Anyone else have any other burning questions? The core's got his whole family here. Um, I have a question, maybe just for Justin to answer. Um, if maybe you could just, in a couple sentences, like, what does it mean to meet with a financial coach or if we were to connect with you what what might that look like yeah hey guys um so i think what it what it looks like um kind of varies person to person just because not everybody needs the same thing um but i think the 
the biggest thing is just sitting down with somebody similar to what Nick mentioned, just sitting down with somebody that has your best interest in mind. Um, that's going to give you kind of essentially what Katie Beth had, right? Um, unadulterated advice that's in your best interest. Um, they don't have like a, um, they're not trying to sell you anything, but something that um, could really benefit you um, just educating you on different topics and, um, and helping you understand what the long term looks like. Um, so what your student loans look like and how you should repay them. Um, because like you mentioned, some um, companies um, or professions will allow you to have that public service loan forgiveness. Um, and some won't. If you're working for a private company, you don't have that option. But you can still go on an income-based payment plan for 15 or 20 or 25 years. And if you have a high enough debt balance, um, you could potentially get the rest forgiven. So I think um, what that looks like really depends on everybody, the individual. But I think just sitting down with somebody that um, has some knowledge and really just um, getting some education on different types of topics, um, whether it's saving, investing, um, protection, um, all of those things. Is that helpful? Does that make sense? Thanks. Yeah. Along that too, just because a lot of people have questions about the student loans, I'm just gonna share my screen one more time. And if you guys go into that folder and go to the debt reduction calculator, you can just come up to file, make a copy, and just save it for yourself, right? Put your last name, save it into a folder outside of that one. But once that loads, then you have a private copy that no one else can see. So you can come in here and say student loan number one, it's gonna have a balance of 6,500, the rate is 12%. Um, this is the payment that I have to make. Maybe it's closer to like $125. And you can put in, you know, student loan three, four, five, and these are all the rates. So this person, uh, as of the balance date, you know, you can put in the correct date here of 423. So they have a balance of 28,600. And according to this payment schedule, uh, they have to do $340, but they might in their budget have an additional uh, $460 that they could apply towards debt. So they could start paying $800 towards their debt. And it's, what's cool about this is it, it tells you how long it will take you to pay off your debt. So this will be paid off in October and June and May. You can see your payment schedule. So after you pay off the first one, then the next one jumps in and it kind of shows you the, the snowball chart um, of how quick it will uh, take you to, to pay off. So if you did anything, go ahead and put your student loan into this debt reduction calculator. Um, I got this off of this website, Verdex uh, 32. I think it's one of the best ones out there. Um, but that'll just help you understand what you can kind of play out different scenarios and you can change how much you're paying towards things. That'd be one really great tool for you guys to, to take a look at. Any other questions that you guys have? We still have about five more minutes. So I don't know if you'd be able to answer this question, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on like paying off debt now with the COVID-19 situation and um, like a lot of student loans don't compiling for a while to begin with. And then there's been talk about potentially having student loan forgiveness related to this. So I don't know if you've heard anything about that or if you have any direction for how we could figure out answers towards those questions. That is a great question. Reed. Um, my personal belief is debt is debt, whether it's student loan debt, whether it's credit card debt, whether you borrow $200 from your friend to buy something. 
I think when you're in debt, you're slave to the lender and the quicker you can get out of debt, uh, the better. So while it's true, when you graduate, you have, I think usually six months before you have to start making payments. Um, maybe in that six months, like you work really hard to get yourself established with, with an emergency fund. And, you know, when people graduate, they often get a nice paying job and maybe that means they feel like they can afford a super swanky apartment downtown Minneapolis where the rent is, you know, $1,500 a month. I would say, man, live with friends and live cheap as much as, as much as you can to get yourself out of debt first. And then, you know, think about living in a new car and, and all of those things. So I would get your emergency fund and then I would just go ahead and start making, making payments towards, uh, towards your debt. Um, and I wouldn't usually take, you know, there's the, you know, maybe a two-year plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, you know, an income-based plan. I wouldn't put it out to 10. If you can pay it off in the shortest amount of years, I'd pay it off in the shortest amount of years. Like Katie Beth said, if you're entering a profession where they do have some type of student loan forgiveness, which like teachers, doc, um, certain nonprofits, they allow you to do it. You can look into that. If you're part of the Army or uh, ROTC, um, you might get to apply for something like that. Typically, they don't allow you to get debt uh, reduction if you work for like religious types of groups. So unfortunately, Camp Sergeant staff doesn't apply to them. Um, so that's that's just my take. But again, that's just my opinion. I, I, I'd ask a lot of different people, but I think the, close, the sooner you can get out of debt, the better. I also think that doesn't mean on this side of the spectrum, only eat ramen noodles for three years. Like, I think there's, you know, one side is, you know, I'm going to dra drag it out as long as I can. And the other side is I'm going to try to pay off in six months and live off of, you know, a couple bulk packs of ramen. Like you want to take care of yourself and there's a level of eating healthy that you should probably abide by. But that probably doesn't mean, you know, you need to have an extravagant eating out budget. Maybe, a, you know, once a week or a couple times a month, that, that probably would suffice. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at cominneapolis.org.